you for joining us this week for Sunday worship. As a church family, we would normally be in our building and we could pass the collection plates. We share our time, our talents, and our treasure. However, since we are unable to be together, we are asking for your continued support. You can e-transfer to treasure at graceunitedhanover.ca or graceuc at whiteman.ca. Checks can also be mailed to Grace United Church, 310 12th Street, Hanover, Ontario, N4N1V6. Thank you for your support. Welcome everyone. It's great to see you here. We welcome everyone who's joining us today from home or in person. We will continue to celebrate, communicate, and make connections to our community and the world what true caring and love mean. We are so blessed to gather here today to follow the footsteps of Jesus. Also, a very warm welcome to our worship leader today, Marion Boyd. It's just great to have her back with us today to lead in worship. Marion is a member of Concordia United Church, where she sits in council as a regional rep. She is also a member of the Regional Human Resources Commission. Marion chairs the licensed lay worship leader resource team as well. Marion is now retired, followed, following a varied career, and is enjoying the opportunity to serve her church in this time of change. Please give Marion a warm welcome. I would invite, uh, as we begin our announcements today, I would invite Sylvia Stewart to come up with some very good news. Good morning. I have some exciting news about a new music program for our Grace United Church and community. After two years plus of living with COVID, we are thrilled about creating a new way of gathering and making beautiful and uplifting music together. If needed, this music can be done distanced, with masks, and without singing. In September, Heather Sommer will be starting a Hand Chimes community music program. Why Hand Chimes? Hand Chimes are durable and lighter to play than handbells. They can be played sitting or standing. Musical games will allow access to play music in group without needing to know anything about Hand Chimes. No music reading required. Just an ability to follow simple instructions or cues and a willingness to try something new and different. And for those of you who don't like to sing or think they can't sing, no singing required. <laughs> Heather will lead two ensembles, one for children, youth and families, and then one for adults and seniors. There will be a community outreach opportunities for people to try them and make music together and through concerts. 
This will be a free music program for those who might not normally participate due to financial barriers, or for people who need a variety of approaches to learning, for instance, difficulty reading or difficulty with fine motor skills, and it gives a sense of belonging to a group in learning a part that contributes to a whole song and experiencing a sense of accomplishment together. This program has been made possible by the Seeds of Hope granting program awarded from the Watkins Fund for Innovative Ministries with Senior Adults at the United Church of Canada Foundation, as well as funding from Grace United Church's Charles and Olive Wright Memorial Youth Trust Fund and General Committee Funds from Worship and Music, Christian Development, and Stewardship Special Gift Funds. Watch for future announcements for introductory events to be held in September for the Hand Chimes Community Music Program. Thank you, Sylvia, for chiming in on that. And uh, it's <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. We're all excited about it. Thank you so much for all the hard work that you've done with Heather as well and uh, to make this possible. We really appreciate it. Uh, meeting dates for Crafts Plus for the summer of 2022. Uh, reminder that in good weather, Crafts uh, Plus will meet in the Hanover Park, bring a chair, a beverage, and a show-and-tell project. If the weather permits and the gremlins are not favorable, we will meet at the church in the Friendship Room. July 19th, August 3rd, 16th, and 30th. Now, you're invited to join us at Grace United Church for a party. We will be celebrating McCall's ministry with us as he moves into a new position in the United Church. On Saturday, July 30th, bring your favorite food and join us for a potluck dinner in the CE Hall, then a celebration after in our sanctuary. On Sunday, July 31st, join us for McCall's last worship with us and refreshments and cake after the service. And a reminder that we do have lemonade again after the service, so if you have time and are so inclined, we'd love to... Uh, to speak with you and visit with you outside uh, over a glass of lemonade. Without further ado, I welcome again Marion Boyd. Marion? Thanks so much, Bob, and thank all you for the warm welcome. I really appreciate it. We're going to do the acknowledgement. Oh, I should explain to you, I have very bad allergies. I tested, I don't have COVID, but I will be kind of hacking away and sound a little funny. So I'll do the best I can. So let's begin with the acknowledgement of the land. Jesus calls us into the world to love one another as we are loved by God. As settlers came to this land, First Nations peoples welcomed us <laughs> Sorry. You've got water there too, Marion. Good. Sorry about that, folks. First Nations people welcomed us, sustained us, and taught us. In our zeal to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ, we were closed to the value of their spirituality. We confused Western ways and culture 
with the depth, breadth, length, and height of the gospel of Christ. We imposed our civilization as a condition for accepting the gospel. As a result, the image of the... <laughs> will get better. The image of the creator in us is twisted, blurred, and we are not what we are meant by God to be. In our journey toward reconciliation, we acknowledge today that we gather on the traditional territories of those who came before us, the original nations of this land and we acknowledge with respect their history, their spirituality, and their culture. We light the Christ candle to remind us that Christ's light leads us on our way through good times and through bad times. Praise be to God. And as Christians have done for centuries, I say to you, may the peace of Christ be with you. <coughs> We're going to begin the call to worship and the prayer of approach. And uh, I can't see. Oh yeah, you can see where you read. Good. Gracious and loving God, we gather as your people. We are glad to be together as we seek answers to the questions we strive to hear and understand what you expect of us. Help us to feel your spirit in our hearts and to live our lives according to your commandment that we love one another as you have loved us. Gird us with your grace, surround us with your love, comfort us with your presence as we face increasing challenges. We are fortunate to live in a community with one another, with shared values of love, justice, and mercy. We are glad that you are always with us, even when we may seem to be alone.
And the first hymn is Morning is Broken. Our scripture reading today comes from the Old Testament, Amos 7, verses 7 to 9. I had another vision from the Lord, and it I saw him standing beside a wall that had been built with the help of a plumb line. And there was a plumb line in his hand. He asked me, Amos, what do you see? A plumb line, I answered. Then he said, I am using it to show that my people are like a wall that is out of line. I will not change my mind again about punishing them. The places where Isaac's descendants worship will be destroyed. The holy places of Israel will be left in ruins. I will bring the dynasty of King Jeroboam to an end. Our gift of music today is from the Strathdees, Dance with the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit to show you the way. Dance with the Spirit. 
Verses 25 to 37. The parable of the Good Samaritan. A teacher of the law came up and tried to trap Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to receive eternal life? Jesus answered him, what do the scriptures say? How do you interpret them? The man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor and love yourself. You are right, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But the teacher of the law wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered, there was once a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when robbers attacked him, stripped him, and beat him up, leaving him half dead. It so happened that a priest was going down that road, but when he saw the man, he walked on by on the other side. On the very same, in the same way, a Levite also came along, went over and looked at the man, and then walked on by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was traveling that way, came upon the man, and when he saw him, his heart was filled, filled with pity. He went over to him, he poured oil and wine on his wounds and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own animal and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Take care of him, he told the innkeeper. And when I come back this way, I will pay whatever else you spend on him. And Jesus concluded, in your opinion, which one of these three acted like a neighbor toward the man attacked by the robbers? The teacher of the law answered, well, the one who was kind to him. And Jesus replied, you go then and do the same. I, I always like it when I don't have to wear a mask to do it sermon so that I can turn my pages. So you may have thought, listening to our scripture readings for today, that they had no obvious relationship to one another. We're going to look a little bit more closely at our readings to see why they might have been chosen together by those who wrote the lectionary. First, a little bit of background. On the book of Amos, he was a minor prophet from the 8th century. He was a reluctant prophet. Unlike Isaiah, 
who was a man of the court, or Jeremiah, who was a priest. Amos had been a humble herdsman living in Judah when God called him to serve. The task God gave him was to go to Israel, the northern kingdom, to pronounce God's judgment on Israel's rulers and its people. The disparity between the rich and poor, the powerful and the oppressed, was offensive to God. In chapter 5, verse 24 of Amos, he talks about the key theme of justice as he clearly states, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a never-flowing stream. Now, in the, in the passage that Bob read this morning, we get a pretty clear idea of God's expectations. Amos has a vision of God standing on the wall, holding a plumb line. Now, I'm looking around, and I expect all of you know what a plumb line is. I know there are some younger audiences who might not know what a plumb line is. So I'll explain it just to be sure. It, it was a, a cord with a weight or a number of weights hanging from it. And it was used to see if walls were truly vertical, not leaning too far back or too far forward, not bulging in on themselves. I can still, I can still remember when I talk about a plumb line, I can still remember my grandfather and my father using plumb lines when they built a garden wall. Now my grandfather's weight was shot, lead shot, and my father's weight was lead, um, those lead sinkers that you get for fishing poles. It's a little illustration of how different they were in their um, appreciation of things. But they regularly did this. As they went along, they regularly used the plumb lines to ensure, see what I mean? To ensure that the construction of their garden wall was true and straight and strong. When God holds a plumb line to the people of Israel, he finds them wanting. He sees neither justice nor righteousness in them. God vows that the high places shall be made desolate and the sanctuaries laid waste as he wages war against the house of Jeroboam, the king of Israel. Now the passage continues on, of course they all do, after our, our reading, as Amos prophesies that the king will die by the sword 
and the people of Israel will be exiled. Now in our gospel story, the well-known parable of the Good Samaritan, and it is one that is read all the time. No, oddly enough, it, it only is found in, in Luke. It's not found in any of the other Gospels. So, in, in, in the story that Luke is telling, Jesus has been upsetting the Jewish leaders by consorting with tax collectors, welcoming women into his inner circuit, eating with Samaritans, and floating the Sabbath rules. They have commenced a concerted campaign, a very concerted campaign, to expose Jesus as a lawbreaker and a false prophet, who is definitely not the promised Messiah. In our passage, the lawyer um, who, you know, is part of this group uh, that's trying to expose Jesus. And he asks what he needs to do to inherit eternal life. So Jesus, using the classic rabbinic teaching method, answers with a question. What is written in the law? The lawyer tells him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And I love the way Bob read it because that would have been the way he would have answered. He would have been rhyming it off he wouldn't have been thinking about what he was saying. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a great read. Now the lawyer is persistent because he doesn't want to give up. He still wants to trap Jesus into some awful um, admission, admission of what he's like. So he says, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus then relates the parable. That sequence of events is extremely important because in, in Leviticus, what the, which the lawyer was quoting from, what it meant was to love, to love your neighbor was to love your fellow Jewish citizens, the followers of the law. Not to love everyone, but very, very focused just on the, the, the Jewish law and the Jewish culture. Now, the road from Jericho to Jerusalem was about 17 miles distant, and it was heavily traveled by people of business, government staff, and religious officials. It was an extremely dangerous trip. It was not surprising to see bodies that had been robbed and beaten 
were sometimes alive and often dead, and without any kind of personal belongings, including clothes. So here's this poor man by the side of the road, completely defenseless, hurt, unable to look after himself. Now, when you think about, first of all, the priest walking on the other side, there are many apologists who try to explain that behavior because a Jew could be defiled by touching a non-Jew. He might also get trapped into having to bury the person if they were dead because of the Jewish custom of burying people the same day. So, you might think there were some excuses for him. For whatever reason, he hurries on. And he just leaves him, not knowing whether he's alive or dead, apparently not caring whether he was alive or dead. Similarly, the Levite, who was somebody who worked in the administration of the temple, so again, attached to, to uh, religion, quickly passed to the other side. He looked, but he didn't offer any assistance. Well, then comes the Samaritan, who's seeing the injured man, is moved by pity. He is not only pours out all his treasured oil and wine, on the wounds, but bandages them. He puts the man on his own animal. He clothes him in his own cloak and took him to an inn and nursed him overnight. But he couldn't stay longer than that because he, he did have business he had to attend to. <coughs> and so he gave, gives the innkeeper sufficient money Sorry, excuse me. <coughs> he gives the innkeeper sufficient money to care for him for a full day and promise for, until, until it, it, he, he is better. And then he tells him when he comes back, he pay any other costs. So he trusted the innkeeper to be honest about the costs. <coughs> so Jesus wisely says to the lawyer, which of these three is a neighbor to the man? And the lawyer admits it was the one who showed him mercy. He doesn't say it was a Samaritan. He doesn't name the Samaritan because the Jews were really deathly enemies of the Samaritans, even though they're closely related. 
So the lawyer, you know, is kind of sheepish. And he, he says, the one who showed him mercy. And again, Jesus tells him, go and do likewise. <coughs> As Jesus does throughout this synoptic gospels, in this passage, he stresses again and again, we must act on the commandment, not just recite it by rote. Of course, the kicker in the story is the fact that the person who shows mercy is a Samaritan. Now, Jewish law forbade good Jews from having any kind of contact with Samaritans. And this was a big issue because Jesus regularly had contact with Samaritans. Remember the Samaritan woman giving the, the water to the Samaritan woman. I mean, he regularly did that. He was breaking the law according to the Jewish tradition. And we never know the background of the injured man. We don't know whether he was a Jew or whether he was a stranger, whether he was a Samaritan, whether he was from someplace in Mesopotamia. We don't know. But the priest and the Levite clearly did not recognize him as their neighbor. The question, who is my neighbor, continues to be a question in our times. As the epistles demonstrate time and time again, our neighbor is supposed to be all of humankind no matter what race, what language, what orientation, what relationships we have. And it's really a struggle, sometimes. It's a struggle for us to envision loving those people who bomb and shoot innocent victims, who rape and pillage their neighbor, We're not required to love what others do. And that's an important thing for us to remember. That's not the requirement. You don't love people because of what they do. You love them because they are children of God. And even in our lives, sometimes we have a hard time, a really hard time recognizing our neighbor in some of our neighbors, in some of our business contacts, or in our education system, or, you know, even in church sometimes. We don't feel we have any commonality 
But we do, we do have an obligation, always an obligation, to love our neighbor who could be a member of your family, who could be in a business relationship, who could be uh, a, a store near, near you, who could be uh, almost anybody, including people. You know, those mean girls? Well, they're mean boys too. So they also are children of God. They also need to be shown love. Even when we are compelled to punish wrongdoing, God still wants us in calling people to account to demonstrate compassion and mercy toward them just as we would expect for ourselves. I know that's a hard one. A lot of us sort of feel, gee, I hope they throw the book at this guy. You know, and it's hard to relate to that person. Hard for us onlookers, harder even for the victims. So it's not surprising that again and again, no matter what the sentence is after court, no matter what, what kind of, of uh, punishment or parole that people have, it's not surprising that people continue to want that person punished more. We know that we live in a world where there's really endemic, endemic anger and it calls for vengeance all the time. So when you watch the television, even with the Russia's war on Ukraine, um, it's pretty clear that neither side sees the other as a person. Neither side feels compelled to exercise compassion and mercy. We understand it because we can imagine ourselves in those circumstances. But what about in church? What about in school? What about in your, your work life? Yes, we need to call people to account for actions that hurt others. That's one way of expressing love. On the other hand, we have to really be very clear that the transgressor is also our neighbor. And, and frankly, we don't. Frankly, we don't. Um, we, we do not really see others who are like ourselves, who aren't like ourselves. So, you know, when we, when we do the acknowledgement of the land, a lot of people get annoyed by that. You know, I, I 
heard a man say, oh, for heaven's sake, this is just ridiculous. You know, why do we have to go on with this all the time? We have to go on with it in order to call ourselves to account. We did not act as Jesus would have wanted us to act. We did not love our indigenous neighbors the way we would expect to be loved ourselves. And part of the problem is that often we don't love ourselves. It is part of the problem. Um, you know, most people have things about themselves that they really don't like. You know, our, we don't like our, our um, we don't like our weight. We don't like our clothes. We don't like the way we can manage our hair. We don't like um, allowing people the freedom to to dress as as they choose. And so we forget that because that person who has hurt maybe somebody who's equally unhappy with themselves, maybe someone who hates themselves so much that they take that hatred out on others. In this parable, the Samaritan epitomizes the justice and righteousness that God wants for all his creation. Jesus tells us, as he did the lawyer, go and do likewise. The great commandment, as given to us by Jesus, is a plumb line. It's a plumb line whereby we can measure and test our commitment to righteousness and justice to all our neighbors lovable or not. Christ demonstrated to us throughout his ministry that love is not just a noun, it's a verb as well. And he expects us to do something. He expects us to actively act on the great commandment. And that commandment includes loving ourselves. We have to remember that the, the great commandment not only asks us to love our neighbor, to love God, to love our neighbor, it asks us to love ourselves. Sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes if we have done things that we know we oughtn't to have done, if we find ourselves in, in difficulties, it's hard to act on the love that we have to have for ourselves. Jesus expected us to act out our faith in the real world the real world that we experience. It's not an easy task that we've been set. 
It is, as Kierkegaard observed, the task of a lifetime. I pray that we may be equal to the task. Amen. Our next hymn is God of Grace and God of Glory. I think you'll enjoy it. message today. The bottom line, we're reminded that we're not to, we're not expected to love the behavior of, of other people, although we may, but we are expected to love our fellow man, regardless of their behavior. Thank you, Mary. Today's mission, minute for mission, is every gift is a story of generosity. Behind every act of generosity, there is a story. Those who work in the United Church's philanthropy unit have the privilege of hearing these stories from generous supporters. Sometimes the story involves honoring someone significant through a gift, other times, it's responding to a deep internal impulse to create positive change in the world. Each story shared is inspiring, 
But this note included in a check sent by Rock Lake Pastoral Charge in Manitoba is especially delightful. And it reads, please find and close our check for $125. One of our members' great-grandchildren rolled the loose coins they found around the house. There was one roll of loonies, six rolls of quarters, six rolls of dimes, and five rolls of nickels. The three children, ages 12, 9, and 7, were told if they rolled the coins, they could use the money however they wanted. They decided very quickly that they wanted to give it to children and the people of Ukraine. They brought the money to Rock Lake Pastoral Charge and asked to have the money sent through the United Church of Canada for emergency response, Ukraine. They wanted it to go through the church because of their great-grandmother loved the church. This story represents thoughtful, intentional giving at its finest. The children could have gone and bought a toy or chocolate bar, but they thought about it and decided to give it to help the people of Ukraine. They were so proud when they came into the office. It was a big, heavy bag of coins they carried for seven or eight blocks to get there. They were really pleased to present it, says Office Administrator Linda Sharp. Every gift given is a treasure. Every gift given tells a story about generosity. Thank you for supporting the work we do together as a united church. May the story we tell in our giving and receiving bring us ever more near the heart of God. And now let us share our gifts in thanksgiving for the abundance that God has given us. Please pray. Accept our humble gifts, O Lord. All that we have comes from you. May these gifts allow us to be faithful neighbors as we work to fulfill our mission as your disciples here and now. Amen. And now let us join together in prayer. Um, I would ask you to add your silent prayers after each stanza. So I will give you a cue and you can do your silent prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, we turn to you for comfort and hope in these troubling times. We seem to be surrounded by anger, fear, and suspicion as wars rage, as political conflict results in undermining our values of democracy and freedom, and mass shootings leave many dead and wounded. Gracious God, God, hear our silent prayers for peace and justice.
Merciful God, forgive us when we fail to reach out to those who are hungry, displaced, and homeless. <coughs> Grant us courage and strength to ask to act in Jesus' name, to relieve misery wherever we encounter it, in whatever way we are able. Merciful God, hear our silent prayers. Two. Faithful God, you are always with us. You sent your spirit among us to guide us in our activities. Be with us. <coughs> be with us and be with those who control our governments or who wield financial power to use their authority wisely on the in, in the interests of all. Strengthen and support our church as General Counsel makes decisions for the next three years. Bless our new moderator as she assumes her new role. Grant her courage, strength, and grace. Faithful God, hear our silent prayers for good governance and equitable distribution of resources. Loving God, help us to follow your plumb line and to love, to live up the great commandment to love you, to love our neighbors, and to love ourselves. We are your people, eager to reach greater depths of understanding so that we may create together a true kingdom of God here and now. Loving God, hear our silent prayers that we, like the Good Samaritan, can be your hands and feet in spreading joy, equity, and caring among all creation. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our next hymn is the Voices United 600. When I needed a friend, a neighbor.
Now go out into God's world. Make your life a work of love as God loves you. Go in peace.